Want to see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Hi, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Talk with Francesca. That's talkwithfrancesca.com for more information like upcoming shows or to chime in. My email is info at talkwithfrancesca.com if you want to send questions or comments. I love all your feedback, so keep it coming. All right, then. Are you tired of hearing, why are you still single? Or, you're 35, for God's sakes, why aren't you married? Or, you're just too picky. Or, the worst. You are too confident. Men are afraid of that. The list goes on and on of the stuff those well-intentioned relatives blurt out at on Thanksgiving dinner. In our first commercial-free segment on Talk with Francesca, I have here with me Sarah Eckel, who is a love columnist and author, and we're going to discuss why, if you are still single, it's not your fault. So stop blaming yourself. This should come as a relief to many. Sarah has heard it all, so now we're going to hear from Thanks, Sarah, for being on Talk with Francesca today. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. So, Sarah, why do you think sing- uh, singles are so ashamed of saying that they're single? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that one of the challenges of being single is that being single isn't necessarily a choice. It's it's the kind of choice that you make a choice not to marry this or that person. You make a choice not to pursue this or that relationship. But from what I've seen, most people don't necessarily choose to remain single for their entire life. They're just, they just have the confidence and um, the independence to say, I- I'm not going to compromise. I'm, I-, I know what I'm looking for, and I will wait until I find it. But that wait sometimes can be quite long. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, you see so many other people who are finding partners and getting married, and so... There's just this kind of little unsettling question that can come up. Well, why are other people able to find this and, and I can't find this? And is there something different about me that, that makes that so? Well, um, I mean, some people aren't meant to be married. I mean, feminists might even imply that marriage is a thing of the past. Um, I mean, women don't need to marry for survival anymore. What, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? You know? Yeah, that's, that's very true. And I think that that's part of what's going on now is that a lot of women in particular now realize that they don't have to marry in order to survive. And so we are in a really historically unprecedented situation where you have the luxury to wait and to say, I'm not going to marry or not going to. And and I actually use marry and uh, I'm thinking about, long-term monogamous partnerships. I use the word marry kind of loosely because mm. um, because I agree that it's not for everybody. And I, I think to me that, that, that the, the distinction is really between are you in, in a couple or are you right. on your own? Um, so at any rate, I, I think that now that women have the luxury of saying, well, I'm not going to join my life with another person unless I can see, unless it's clear that they will make things better because things are pretty good as they are. Mm-hmm. There's a much higher standard that women have 
for relationships. And I think that's a good thing because, as historian Stephanie Coates has pointed out, um, that, you know, we, we, we apply the word desperate to women uh, who are single quite a lot. But as she points out, that most contemporary women, women could not imagine being desperate the way that our great-grandmothers were. They're desperate. Desperate, she, she points out, is covering your bruises um, when you go, go to the market because your husband hits you. It's, it's, it's turning your eyes to mistresses or it's marrying someone that you find physically uh, repulsive because you need to survive. Well, so that's the kind of desperate that women used to, desperation that women used to face. Um, we don't have that anymore, and it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's just a lot of confusion because just because we've had this progress doesn't mean it's all completely easy and everyone's life works out exactly as they want. Um, that's never been the case for anybody and, and never will be. And you call it a, you know, you, you mentioned the word luxury. Um, yes, it certainly is the luxury not to have to be with a, an abusive man or a cheater. I, I would agree with that. But in some ways, it, it seems almost as if possibly women, you know, can be a little bit too fussy. And, and I don't well, actually, I'm not sure if fussy is really the word, but non-accepting. Um, and not giving men a chance. And, and I'm thinking about, I have some friends who do the, the, the dating thing, the whole uh, match.com. And it's almost like, um, you know, they go out on a date and then, well, he was nice, but, you know, let me see what the next one is going to bring. And the next one, it, 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 in, instead of really giving someone a chance. Do you, you hear where I'm coming from? Yeah, I, th I think that Internet dating can can create that for both men and women. Certainly men are, are guilty of, oh, absolutely. Um, well, you know, like someone a little prettier and you know, maybe someone um, who isn't so ambitious or, or whatever it is the, the issue is. So I, I think that, that certainly that can happen. The women that I spoke to and the women that I knew when I was single I never got the sense of being too picky. Perhaps I was just one of those women myself. So it, it struck me that, that I remember a friend of mine um, made an observation because we used to really take seriously this, this accusation that we were too picky. And she... Well, said, I know I am. <laughs> but I don't know that I'm too picky, but I am picky. And I don't even know if I would use the word picky. I don't know if the word is picky, but I, I am um, discerning maybe. Um, you know, I mean, it's, um, you know, if you're going to be with someone, you obviously want to be with someone that you have, um, things in common with that, you know, you're on the same level intellectually, financially, maybe, I don't know. you know, when I, when I was in my twenties, I worked for a dating service in my thirties, I owned one and, um, the women were actually quite a bit more sophisticated a lot of the time, um, more so than men. However, sometimes they would I don't know if the word is settled, but they would really need that validation from a man. Um, do you feel that yeah. women still, do you know where I'm coming from, do you feel women still um, feel that way to some degree? I know I, I kind of veered off a little bit here. Lot, I, I think there is a lot of pressure that women are under and that we still judge women by yeah. their relationship status in a way that we do not judge 
men um, by their relationship status. I was out with a couple not long ago, and um, the woman that I was speaking to said that she had met a group of women who were all married, and they, she just, when she first started speaking to them, she just said, oh, I, I just got out of a relationship. Well, actually, she'd gotten out of a relationship seven years ago, but she didn't want to answer the questions. She didn't, if she just got out of a relationship, that was sort of like, oh, okay, that's normal. People break up. Right. But what does that mean? Right? You were, but to, to, to announce to all these women that she had been alone for seven years, mm-hmm. she didn't think they would be mean. She just didn't, she yep. just knew that that would confuse them and she didn't want to have to answer the questions. Well, she, she would say that there would be maybe a judgment. I mean, and, and I agree with you. To some degree, there really truly is. Uh, people do judge um, people who are single and even the ones that say, oh, I don't judge that. I think people do. I think that, you know, there's still that stigma attached. If you're female and you're over a certain age, then you either should be married or at least um, be a couple. Yeah, it's, it's part, of it. part of it, I think, is that we're so, we still judge ourselves and each other and are judged on our appearance. And mm-hmm. that so much of that is, goes around the whole dating issue of, oh, well, nobody. And there's this idea, I think, with women. When they're single, there's this idea that you were not chosen. Whereas with men, when they're single, it's the idea is that well, he's just a free willing guy, and and that's it's his choice. We always we, there's a way in which we haven't evolved to the point where we we still kind of ascribe, um, the, we assume that it was a man's decision to be single, and you know just you know the woman I was talking to her boyfriend said, oh yeah, no one really ever questions why I'm single. Um, I've heard from a lot of men who would disagree with that to say that they get the same kind of stuff. But I do think that there's more of a sense of the the old idea of the, the glamorous bachelor is still very much around. You know, um, I think that, we, yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I think that women, I want to go back to the whole validation thing. And I, I do think there's there's a lot of, of that still that you're not okay unless you are um with a man, and I think that it's not just that people judge that, but I think also internally women feel that, you know, unless they have a man by their side, they're not complete. And, I mean, that's the, you know, Cinderella kind of thing. You know, I mean, it's been going on forever, and it, it, I I still think it is. You know, it's just like, if, you know, the um, the uh, high-powered woman, she, you know, she seems to have it t- the toughest because, you know, they have everything but the dude, you know? Those, I think those old... Stereotypes are hard to shake, and yep. a lot of us have internalized them since childhood. I mean, we didn't really have role models growing up of women who were single and who were successful and who weren't just considered, oh, you know, even if you, you did see, you know, I, you know, you saw Janet Reno. Um, I, I don't mean to pick on Janet Reno, but you, you, you would see there was a sense of, of, okay, well, she's very successful. She's Supreme Court um, justice, but um, and she was she was she became attorney general. General, but um, she, but there is a sense of yeah, but um, mm-hmm. where I feel like absolutely successful yep. men, there isn't quite the, the yeah, but the yeah, but exactly successful guy exactly. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Sarah Echo. Uh, and she has um, written a book, It's Not You, 27 Wrong Reasons You're Single. So let's talk a little bit about what's the t- uh, about your book, Sarah. You know, what's the takeaway here? Well, I'm sorry, what's the, what is the... 
what, what's the takeaway, you know, um, from your book? I mean, what what message do you want women to really get from this? Or the message that I really I'm hoping women will take from this book is that it's the first of all to just see the fact that all this feedback is coming at them, whether it's driven internally, whether it's whether they are themselves asking themselves what's wrong with me or whether they are getting it from the culture. There are so many odd ways that um, either through television or, or newspaper features that, that, that women get this message or through well-intentioned friends and family. However these messages are coming at you, first to see them, to see that these are some cultural myths that are happening. So that's why I really go through a lot of these cultural myths about being too picky, too available, too intimidating, too independent. I go through a lot of those cultural myths to just to, to challenge those myths and, mm-hmm. and, to, and to take a look at them so that you can see them for what they are. And then from that point, to just be able to take a look and say, is this really what's going on? Because maybe I just haven't met the right person. Maybe I'm absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And absolutely fine doesn't mean being perfect and having clicking off all the boxes and, and just meet, reading, meeting some standard of self-actualization. It means basically being an ordinary person who, who wants love and who is lovable and who is willing to give it. Uh, you don't actually have to be this amazing person to get that. It's mostly about finding the right fit, and that can be a long and frustrating journey. Well, 15 and, bucks certainly beats uh, a year of co-pays with a therapist, and I think that's about what your book sums up, doesn't it, though? Right? Well, a lot of therapists <laughs> have actually recommended my book, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I've, I've heard from some, um, so I, I really appreciate that. Or, or women have written to me saying that their therapist gave them a copy, which I thought was interesting, it's, it's that, because I, I admit I had kind of a, even though I've I've interviewed a lot of really great therapists uh, for various articles and, and for this book. I think I did have a little bit of an idea that, that therapists were also part of the problem in terms of, well, let's fix you. And I'm sure that that is out there. Mm-hmm. But I was, it was, I was happy to find out that there are a lot of therapists who are saying the opposite to their, mm-hmm. their clients and saying, listen, you're actually fine. Um, you, you need to maybe just chill out. And um, so it's really about just, just being able to, by looking at all these myths, to tap into your own instincts and just figure out what's actually going on with you. Well, you know, years ago, you were just, you know, an old maid, really, if you know mm-hmm. you, right? But, but really, so an old maid. But today, if you're single, I mean, you have a therapist that you should probably check out, or you ought to check out a dating coach. Um, you mm-hmm. know, so... You know, it's like you just can't get away from all the help out there um, to to find the right person, not to mention the zillions of online dating. So I mean, in some ways, it's almost worse. You know, at least if you were just an old maid, you were just an old maid, and that was it, and it was kind of quiet, and no one talked about it, and, and life went on. But, you know, today yeah. it's like it's, it's, it's everywhere. Sarah, um, what is a common reason women believe that, that they are single? that isn't true? I think the women, the, the, I mean, the one the women share the most is you're too picky, but I think the one that women maybe internalize the most was this idea that they were too independent mm-hmm. or too intimidating. Oh, yeah. And yeah. 
sure that's going to make a very insecure man not want to be with you. But is there any other kind? When you look at most of the women on the Forbes most powerful women list and the fortune, you know, the, the, these most powerful women list, most of them are married. So they weren't too intimidating. Um, it's 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 interesting. We we have these ideas. Like I, again, I think it's this, these outdated ideas of um, what things that were once true. And this is another. I'm going to quote Stephanie Kuntz again. She said. It actually used to be true that a woman who had um, an advanced degree or, or a high-powered job, that actually was a deficit for her. She was less likely to be married. But now, if you have a college education, you are more likely to be married. Higher salaries are correlated with marriage. And the older, being older when you get married is, is correlated with a lower risk of divorce. So all of these things that we used to be told were really harming us in our in our pursuit of love actually turn out to be assets. And that wasn't always the case, but it is the case now. And I think that that we're still stuck in this kind of nineteen sixty five thinking about how things are. Sarah, who is most interested in what you have to say? Would you say who's single women? Most well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but that, yeah. that that's pretty broad. <laughs> there could be single women that are twenty-five, and there can be single women fifty-five, and you know, divorced women or yeah. widow. You know, so so who do you think is most interested, or or do you even know? And then we just have a couple of minutes left to answer some questions coming from the chat box, but I do want to get to those. So, so. Oh, okay, yeah, I have heard from I I've been surprised that I've heard from a lot of women in their late twenties and early thirties. Um, and I've also heard from, from women in their, their late 30s and early 40s. But, I mean, it's, it's around that age. Um, but, but I was surprised by how young a lot of the women who write to me are and that there were a lot of 27-year-olds. And I thought, oh, 27, what are you worried about? But then I realized, well, yeah, when I was 27, I was going to a lot of weddings. And, and yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah. And- on a totally different note, you know, I mean, you hear about the, the 40-year-old woman who has a baby, but really, I mean, that's not the prime time to be having kids. I mean, it really mm-hmm. isn't. When you're 27 years old, I mean, you know, I, I always say having children is a young man's sport. But anyway, or a young woman's sport, yeah. I should say. But but anyway, all right. Well, I have um, Cindy from Wollaston who would like to know, can you honestly say that you think that women who are alone can really embrace it, love it, and actually not want a guy in their lives? Or is it a, just a front to appear okay? Good question. I don't think it's one way or the other. I mean, no one's life is perfect either way. Um, I'm not saying that every day, and part of what I'm trying to debunk is this idea that when you are single, you have to live up up to this ideal of every day you wake up and you think your life is absolutely wonderful and and fabulous and glamorous. Obviously, there's going to be a hard, there's going to be hard days because there are difficult things about being single, like loneliness. But, you know, being in a relationship also has its challenge. And when you're married, everyone thinks it's fine to say that being married is work, that we, we consider that very respectable. But for some reason, the, the single person who ever admits that she gets lonely sometimes, there's this sort of like, whoa, how pathetic is that? So I, I'm trying to promote the idea that, that you don't actually have to be this, this 
happy, perfect person all the time, that, that no one is, and so single people don't need to put that front up anymore. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Cindy, for that question. We just have time for one more. Deborah from Cohasset would like to know, what are your thoughts on slut-shaming? Yeah, it's terrible. It's, I mean, our, our culture is so sexualized. We have so many images of sex, and yet it's, it's bizarre to me that there's still this idea that what is okay for a guy is is terrible for women, and um, I think that it it also just it it trickles down into any woman who ends up having a one night stand or just exactly. pursuing a relationship that doesn't quite work out. There's you know you, you get this kind of shame to it, and I, I just think that's completely unnecessary. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, more questions from our listening audience. Be right back. Stay tuned. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now that's that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer whether you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. Moving into your new home or office is easy when you trust the experienced professional movers of the Brickhouse Moving Company. And if you're looking for dedicated movers who will take the stress out of your next move, Call the Brickhouse Moving Company at 978-278-3578. We serve all of New England, both residential and commercial moves. No job is too small. Doing the move yourself? No problem. Brickhouse Moving can provide you with all the packing materials you'll need. Call us today at 978-278-3578 or visit us online at BrickhouseMovingCompany.com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617 723 6733 or visit us at com. Less than 4.4 seconds. That's how long you have to convince your potential customers to stay on your website before they go elsewhere. With so much competition on the web, it's hard enough to get your market's attention. The only thing harder is keeping it. Web developer and marketer April Ann Francis makes it easy to do both. Boost your business with responsive blogs, social media marketing, WordPress design, custom Facebook pages, e-commerce, Google+, search engine, and mobile presence. Training available. Visit AprilAnnFrancis.com. Email April at AprilAnnFrancis.com or call 413-320-9233. That's 413-320-9233. 
I think everyone would agree that painting is a quick and easy way to update and revive your home or office. Keeping a fresh coat of paint can also boost your curb appeal, so if you're thinking of selling this spring, call Ian Armour at 978-270-3187 for all your painting needs. I promise you he is clean and neat, thorough, dependable, and really goes above and beyond for you. Ian's number again is 978-270-3187. I know you will be thrilled with the results. Need to refresh and renew after a long winter? Your home may need that too. Shed the cabin fever feeling your home has and bring that spring feel in. Professional interior designer Sue Rilovic of the Tristan Design Group will bring her 30 years of experience, expertise, and advice to your home. Call to schedule an affordable in-home consultation now, address your concerns, or let Sue's ideas flow and see where it can take your home. 603-285-3924. 603-285-3924. The Tristan Design Group. Your home of the future. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's Restaurant Guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca every Saturday morning right here on 1510 Yahoo Sports Radio Boston. You are great, ma'am. You have amazing cheekbones. Really? Let's go. All right, we are back, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Sarah Eckel, who has written the book, It's Not You, 27 Wrong Reasons That You're Single. All right, um, we've got some more questions. Rob from Billerica Sarah asks, what do you think online dating has done to the whole dating scene? I think that online dating has been a mixed bag, but overall, I'm, I'm quite positive about online dating. Really? For, for one, um, the, the research shows that relationships that begin with online dating are just as uh, solid as the ones that begin um, from when you meet I used to call it meeting someone in the wild. You know, when you meet in... In, in, um, in the wild? Yeah. <laughs> you know, not it's a jungle out house. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not on the um, Internet. So, you know, there's a lot of good research that shows that, it, that, it, um, that it's a perfectly fine way to meet somebody. And especially as you... And it's, a, it's become the second most popular way that people in their 30s and 40s. I, I can't remember the exact age range, but I believe it was about 35 to 45. It's, it's, it's a very popular way for people in that age group to meet because there are fewer opportunities to meet people when you're that age. When you're younger, of course, you have college or there's, there's a wider pool of people who are um, single. So I think it's great in, in all of those ways. It, there's the, the, the challenge of it is that, of course, it becomes something that if you are not doing online dating or if you're doing online dating but it isn't working, that can also be frustrating and it can become one more thing that people say. Um, when I first started doing online dating, it became, it, you, your married friends just kind of winced a little bit when you told them that you were doing that, and now it's become the default cure-all. Um, well, why aren't you online dating? Because there's all these people out there, so what's wrong that you can't meet anybody through that way? So. I, I think it's, it's it's really a mixed bag. It can it can work out. It's worked out beautifully for some people, but just because it hasn't worked out 
for you doesn't mean that that's any other reason that there's something wrong. It's just that um, it just hasn't worked out. Uh, Sarah, did you meet your husband that way? No, I met my husband. I've been in the wild. Or actually, I met him at work. In the wild. Um, I, I, um, I had to go. I, Maybe that should be your next book, reading, a, meeting a man in the wild. <laughs> but <laughs> meeting anyway. a man in the wild. That yeah. would be a, that would be an interesting book. I, yeah. but you know, it's funny. I, most of the weddings, I went to a lot of weddings around the same time that I got married. To wit, you know, women who were about my age, friends who were about my age, and I think the majority of them did meet online. Really. At work, I think those are the two ways <laughs> it seems to be. But um, uh, so it's um, so I think it's just another tool uh, that may work or 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 may not. But I've also heard there's a lot of horror stories out there with that. Is that true? There are horror stories, but maybe I wonder if the horror stories get a little overblown. That it's partly there's the expectation of horror stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and so they exaggerate them. It's like when you go to a psychic. You ever talk to someone who's gone to a psychic? It's always the best psychic they've ever heard in their life. They've told them the future. Yeah. It's always like, and then you meet the psychic and go, what? <laughs> right. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, there, there are, I mean, obviously, it's just, it is, it is an incredibly risky situation. You're just, you're meeting some complete stranger out of the blue, and, yeah, the, the, the chance that, this person is going to be odd um, because they haven't been vetted through your usual, you know, the old ways of friends and family. Yeah. There's always that that chance. But I was actually shocked when I did online dating at how just how many just nice normal guys I met. And, oh, really? Um, you know, I had a few friends that had horror stories, and, and I've heard some horror stories. But I was I was prepared for it to be much. This, scary thing when actually it was just other guys who were lonely too and wanted to meet someone too. So let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, so you got married when you were 39. Is that right? Um, I actually, I got married when I was 44. I met my husband when I was 39. Oh, okay. All right. And you had never been engaged or married before. This was it. I'd never lived with anybody. We moved in together when I was 40. We moved in together just very shortly after we started dating. Um, and that was the first, he was the first uh, man I'd ever lived with who wasn't really? a roommate. Really? And so, dare I say, why, because, you know, I mean, getting married at 44 is, let's face it, not the earliest, you know? I mean, no. if you get married at 34, it's still kind of up there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not so much today, but I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the average age to get married is, but if I had to... It's, it's- Twenty-seven. Is it twenty-seven? Okay, I was gonna guess. I was gonna guess maybe. Yeah. I was gonna guess maybe thirty. I wasn't really sure, but okay. So, so we'll just say that you got married a little bit older, obviously. And so, why do you think that was? I think I simply had not met the right person. That's right. Okay. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, I had dated. Um, I had had a boyfriend uh, in my late 20s, early 30s, and he was lovely, but not quite the one. And then um, I was also living in New York City, where I think it's hard to date. But Yeah, um, yeah a busy city, but, but you know, it's very impersonal. So, but, you know, in a way, actually, the, I mean, now that I've met my husband, I can, it, it's easy to say I hadn't met the right person because I knew what I was looking for, and there he was. And it wasn't that it was so specific, but you want... My friend Caitlin put it this way. She said when we were both single, 
She said, I'm trying to find someone who delights and surprises me as much as my friends that I also want to make out with. So, um, <laughs> kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, but I, but, but you know, the, the real thing was that I didn't know why I, uh, was single. And at a certain point, but you I weren't beating yourself it. up and you weren't blaming yeah. yourself and you weren't saying something's wrong with me or why haven't I, you yeah. were, you were, or you were not. Okay to not know. Yeah. I didn't need to, I didn't need to, I just could just do my best. I didn't have to. And, and you weren't getting all bent out of shape of about it. I was bent out of shape about it for quite a while. Oh, you were? Okay. I, I, all of this stuff comes from my own stuff that okay. I, yeah. I was very upset for quite a while and trying to figure out what was wrong with me and very angry at all of the various stereotypes. But at a certain point, I simply realized I, I don't know why this has happened, but there's, there's really no reason to beat myself up about it. I, I know that I'm a nice person and a lovable person, and I'm just going to keep my eyes open and hope that I meet this person. And so, Sarah, when your perception changed, did your dating situation change? Not really. I, I think that the shift happened when I was around 36 or so. Mm-hmm. I had just, that was when I really could hit a wall. I continued dating after that, and I guess the so what I would say about how my dating changed was it was maybe more relaxed. I wasn't worrying quite as much about is this the one or does he like me or or beating myself up if it didn't work out. I still did those things, but I turned the volume down on it anyway. So it it you know it wasn't like but it wasn't the situation. A lot of times you hear, oh I became happy with myself, and then all of these men were attracted to me. No, it wasn't like that. I, I just continued my life mostly as it had gone before. But I was I was happier, and I was calmer, whether it didn't necessarily make men you know, dash across rooms to talk to me, but it, it, but it was still a better place to be. Well, and so, you know, maybe, I mean, I do think there's some truth to you need to care about yourself before you can care about someone else. I don't think that, I think in one of your, in one of your chapters, I'm not sure. Did I see that? Something about loving, you've got to love yourself first before you can love anyone else. Did you say that? Oh, yeah. And I mean, and and I, I think that's true. I mean, I think you do have to be pretty comfortable with yourself. I mean, if you're looking for someone to fulfill something in you, you're really coming from kind of a, a funky place you know i mean it's 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 not i can't imagine how it's going to work not unless it's just two incredibly dysfunctional people that just are going to be dysfunctional for the rest of their lives and they are functional within their dysfunction i don't know where that all came from but it sounded like it i, think that, I, I mean i think there's some truth to that I, I really do you know um i wonder if it's maybe it's more of a spectrum that we think that there's this there's people who love themselves and there's people who hate themselves and you got to join the love yourself camp if you're going to have a relationship. But uh, to me, it seems that the reality is that we all are insecure, secure in some ways, insecure in others. Yep. We are yep. happy in some ways, unhappy in others. Yep. And um, we all have, we, we all have our hangups and our neuroses. So it's, yeah, I mean, whether or not loving yourself is a prerequisite to finding a relationship, it's, it's certainly a better way to be. And it's certainly going to make your life better when you're in the moment, um, what, you know, whatever shakes down in, in terms of your relationship. Well, 
Well, I, otherwise, don't you think that you're going to then be trying to make the person fill sort of a hole in you that only you can fill? Yeah. Um, yes and no? I, I think that, that there's... Maybe I'm getting too psychological here, so maybe I'll just back, back no, on. No, I, I, I think that... But I think that in some ways that is what relationships do. It's not that... But that's a, it's, I, to some more, you know what, you're right. I mean, to some degree, you're absolutely right, but there are degrees. And there's, there's, that it's okay. It's, and that if you... What I, I guess what I'm trying to drive home with my book is that you don't have to um, have got all of your stuff worked out in order to, to, to find somebody because there are plenty of happily married people who are nevertheless insecure. They still maybe get anxious at parties or they don't like the way that their hips are, you know, maybe getting a little thicker or whatever it is. But it's not that everyone who's married has, has, has reached some wonderful level of self-actualization and everyone who's single is... Does anybody ever? <laughs> Nobody does. I don't believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and and um, so I, I, I think it was more about maybe not making that such a a hard line. But I think that in terms of... And, and I also was very interested in the research of Dr. Kristen um, Neck, who's a psychologist at the University of Austin, who talks about the value of self-compassion as opposed to self-esteem. And we've been, we've been raised with this idea that we need to just think that we're the greatest and we're the best. And what her research has found is that actually it's okay to see yourself as ordinary and that people who say, well, I'm just an ordinary person, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. They're actually happier, and they ha- that is that is loving yourself is just accepting yourself um, exactly. for all of your flaws and all of your vulnerabilities, um, rather than trying to project this, this shiny idea of of high self esteem. So that was the other thing that I was driving home with that chapter. Um, I have a, another question here. Susan from Danvers would like to know: Do you think singles will ever stop playing games? I think men will ever stop playing games. No, singles, actually. Singles will ever singles. stop playing games. Okay, I'm oh, well, actually, and it's funny that you said men, because when I think of games, I tend to think women play more games than men. I think that, that, but I think that actually probably we both play games. Um, and it's, you know, it's, again, where is the line between playing a game and just being, um, smart about maybe not revealing everything all at once. There was a, a woman at a reading once who said that she didn't want to reveal to people that she was a vegan right away. And she did, she felt she had to hide that because she was a conservative uh, Christian and she didn't want people getting the wrong idea. And and, and what kind of um, wrong idea would that be getting a vegan? Not that, that I'm, she was, not that I'm one, but I am curious. Girl. Pardon me? Yeah, she, 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 wanted, she, she, she was a vegan, but she was a Christian conservative and she didn't want I guess she, she just thought that would create a different impression if they thought she was a vegan. So she asked how long she had to hide the fact that she was a vegan and or if she should hide it. And I thought about that, and I think that the, 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 the problem was less the hiding. Mm-hmm. The, the, the problem was the hiding as opposed to you don't have to give everybody all your information at once. You don't have to expose yourself completely on a first date. Um, you can exercise a certain kind of restraint. Um, and I think it's a good idea to do that. I think it's a good idea to do that. So it's, but it's, it's where is the line between 
that and playing a game, I'm not sure. I think that we're very not we're not served by these rules that say you don't let him know that you like him. I really that was one of the ones I really dislike is this idea that if you let someone know that you're interested in them, that that will put you at a disadvantage, that you have to be cool and aloof. When it seems to me that's only going to attract a certain kind of person who is attracted to people who are not interested. So, um, really. So, th- so that's... what you're saying is that that the type of person who plays it cool and doesn't, yeah, I, I, you know what, I actually would agree with you. So you're saying someone who isn't really um, showing their their interest, their genuine interest, um, then the type of man that is looking for an unattainable woman will, will go after her or vice versa. Yeah, is that what that, you're saying? Not that you have to say, oh, my God, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen the first time you meet someone. Right. So, but but it's, it's a matter of, of deciding how much you're going to put out there and, and, you know, at what point. So, but, you know, to, to give a shorter answer to the question, I know I doubt that singles will ever stop playing games. It's yeah. such a scary, vulnerable situation to be in. Right. And so, of course, we're looking for rules and strategies, and we, we just we are trying to win somebody else's heart. And that's a really scary and difficult thing to do. So, yeah, I think human beings, being what they are, will probably always resort to games. Well, I think what we're talking about here really is authenticity and, and just being mm-hmm. being real. And And then I go back to being comfortable with yourself. Um, and, um, if you're, you are comfortable with yourself, then you're not going to be as afraid. I think we're all afraid to some degree, um, of mm-hmm. being vulnerable, but we won't be as afraid. And especially if, you know, as we get older, you know, we've, you know, had, you know, a couple of hard knocks, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, you were, you got married at 44. You were probably in, in relationships before this, this guy, maybe it's the first guy you live with, but I'm sure you had relationships before him. So, um, I think the more relationships that, that you have that don't work out, I think that, you know, we can become a little shy, no? Yeah, and, and there's also, and, and also, the more time that you have just out of relationships, I had I had a couple of relationships, but not very many. I had, a, my most of my adult life was really characterized by being on my own, mm-hmm. and that's its own kind of challenge, because the years, months turn into years and sometimes years even turn into decades and you think oh my god yeah what's going on how is it that i'm so different from everyone else and and so that's its own kind of challenge and it's not as dramatic as the terrible breakup but it's it's a heartache of its own kind yeah and and also i i think there's the the danger of becoming too comfortable and set in your your ways Mm mm-hmm you know, I mean, if you're if you're living on your own and you're 35, 40, you've been doing so for quite some time. You have your own career. You kind of do your own thing. You come and go as you please. I think it it becomes more difficult to be to negotiate um, differences. It can, but I think on the flip side, it can also, if you are really longing for this this partnership. In some ways, I think that, that getting married later is easier because when I think about who I was at 25, right. I would have been a lot more demanding and mm-hmm. right. would have had higher expectations. 
now I'm, I'm so happy to be with my husband, and he's so happy to be with me that when we annoy each other, we're aware of the 20 years of our life before meeting each other where it was where life was harder. And so even when we mm-hmm. bug each other, we, we have that to go back to and say, right. okay, today yep. is maybe not the greatest day or this is not the best hour, but overall this has been um, awesome. quite, quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I would agree with that. And I think that, I mean, you know, I just, 25 years old, I just, you know, I really, even 27 being the average age to get married, I mean, still between 27 and 47, you change. Mm-hmm. People change. You know, I personally, you know, think that there should be a five-year renewal <laughs> <laughs> on, on marriages, you know, or 10, whatever. But, you know, I mean, instead of, you know, because it's so easy to say I do, it's not so easy to say I don't, you know. Mm. Um, it really isn't. But, I mean, people do change. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, I mean... Come on, twenty twenty five. What on earth? I mean, you, you know. I think if I think if people don't change, then they become stale. Yeah, and I'm in awe of people who marry at twenty five and who manage to keep going and make it work. I. I well, what makes you think I, it I is? Some people who marry young and and they 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 have very happy marriages, and it it's it's really impressive because when I think about who I was at twenty five, that's that's a completely different person. And um, so... Well, their goals might be different, yeah. too. I mean, people have different goals and what they want in a relationship. And that's another whole chapter. You know, I mean, that's a whole other area. Mm-hmm. But, but what some people want are very different. Some people are just, you know... I mean, of course, our parents were models, you know, or are models. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And, you know, if, if your parents just sort of had the simple, easy relationship and, you know, your father had lots of faults, your mother accepted them, then, you know, maybe it's going to be the same way for you. And, you know, so it really does depend on where you come from. I th- yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, th- this you got an interesting one in your chapter, You Need to Grow Up. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I think there's the... We have this idea that single people are in this kind of emotional netherworld between teenagers and the, the grown-up married, and that, that, again, it used to be the case that, for the most part, if you were single, you were probably a teenager or someone in your early 30s, and so that was perhaps true, that it was this developmental stage, but now single people... People, sometimes people remain single their entire life, and certainly many people remain single into their 30s and 40s and 50s. So, again, I feel it's a situation where we need to update our idea of what a grown-up is, and a grown-up is not necessarily someone who gets married. And there's been some interesting research that shows that single people are more likely to extend themselves to family, to friends, they're more likely to help out. And when, and, and that this was not, and that most um, insulated people, the, the least helpful and the least engaged people in their communities were childless married couples, that when you have children, it brings you back into the fold. Mm-hmm. But um, 
it's it's not that the children are were not the reason that married people weren't as helpful to friends and family. It, it was something about marriage, these things researchers found. So I thought that was just very interesting and really belies our, our typical idea of the selfish single who's just all about themselves. I, I love this this chapter. You need to put it out in the universe. That I just have to tell you, I think that's very funny. Um, I, I, you know, of course, my listeners may not agree with me necessarily, but, you know, writing out your intention statement, what you want, um, you have to put it out there so that you can bring it to fruition, the law of attraction. Um, I don't know. That seems awfully um, uh, contrived to me. You know, I mean, I, I think obviously you have to be in a in a place where you want a relationship. If you want a relationship, I think you will will find one. Yeah, and but do you really think you need to go that far? <laughs> I, I don't know. And but I feel that it's easy to buy into this because just what happens is you get so frustrated and the years go by and so I, I certainly for myself I got to the point where I was willing to try just about anything because maybe it was my very logical, rational way of looking at the world. Maybe that was the problem and I interviewed one person who said, if you had told me that I needed to stand on my head and eat pickles, I would have done it. So there's a way in which you're very vulnerable to all these kinds of suggestions that um, if you, that there's some kind of magical thing you can do, that you can burn candles or incense and, and he will appear. Because love is magical. Let's face it. It's crazy that, that one day you're just going through your life and then the next day you meet this, this person who ends up becoming person you share your entire life with and, and you, you love more than anyone else, else in the world. So it, it is this kind of this crazy out of the blue thing. So I think that all of these magical thinking prescriptions are just a way to people have to try and tap into that and say it works for some people, but I always found it frustrating because I thought, well, why are the universe's elves and fairies blowing me off? I've been looking, I've been putting it out in the universe for a long time and I haven't found anybody, so I think it's, it's it can get a little frustrating that that kind of advice. Sarah Eckel, it's not you. Twenty seven wrong reasons you're single. Thanks so much for being on Talk with Francesca today. You've given us lots of of great information. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It was great fun. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Okay. Thanks. Bye. All right. We've got to wrap things up. Thanks for listening. Keep your questions coming. Write to me and let me know what's on your mind. Gotta go. See you later. Make it a fantastic week. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's Restaurant Guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now, 
that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer where you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. Need to refresh and renew after a long winter? Your home may need that too. Shed the cabin fever feeling your home has and bring that spring feel in. Professional interior designer Sue Rilovic of the Tristan Design Group will bring her 30 years of experience, expertise, and advice to your home. Call to schedule an affordable in-home consultation now, address your concerns, or let Sue's ideas flow and see where it can take your home. 603-285-3924. 603-285-3924. The Tristan Design Group. Your home of the future. Moving into your new home or office is easy when you trust the experienced professional movers of the Brickhouse Moving Company. And if you're looking for dedicated movers who will take the stress out of your next move, call the Brickhouse Moving Company at 978-278-3578. We serve all of New England, both residential and commercial moves. No job is too small. Doing the move yourself? No problem. Brickhouse Moving can provide you with all the packing materials you'll need. Call us today at 978-278-3578 or visit us online at BrickhouseMovingCompany.com. I think everyone would agree that painting is a quick and easy way to update and revive your home or office. Keeping a fresh coat of paint can also boost your curb appeal, so if you're thinking of selling this spring, call Ian Armour at 978-270-3187 for all your painting needs. I promise you he is clean and neat, thorough, dependable, and really goes above and beyond for you. Ian's number again is 978-270-3187. I know you will be thrilled with the results. 